0: Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and grab them, and we're going to look in the Gospel of John today. We're continuing our series entitled, It's Complicated. Uh, Most anybody who winds up in my office looking for counsel at some point has something like this to say, but Chuck, you really don't understand With us, it's complicated. I mean, Chuck, with us, we have a unique problem. I mean, Chuck, my challenge is different. It's complicated. And what we find in Jesus and his miracles, especially those that John talks about, we find that Jesus has this unique way of taking the complicated and simplifying it and getting it to the core issue. And so in John chapter 6, we find one of the most fascinating stories that most of us have heard about if you've been around church any time at all. And that's the story of Jesus and how he fed 5,000 men. Now, here's one thing we have to grasp about this story, and it's really a big deal. This story is told in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when Scripture repeats itself, it's because it's a really big deal. Now don't miss this. I mean, this is a really, really big deal. When the multitudes come to Jesus in the wilderness, He's moved with compassion because He saw they were tired and they were hungry. Have you ever seen that Snickers commercial where the guy, you know, he's hungry and he just turns into somebody else? I get that way. When 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 I get hungry and my blood sugar has dipped a little bit, I am a beast. I mean, it's just I'm not fit for man or beast. I'm awful. I mean, I'm, I am the Snickers commercial. I mean, get me food, right? And when I do, then I'm different. Samantha's the same way in our house. You, you travel with Samantha, who's 15 years old. You let her get hungry. My, star, you would think she was spawn of Satan. It's unbelievable what happens to that child. But now you get her, you, you get her like some Mexican food in her. and She's just like the happiest kid on the planet. Loves it. Well, Jesus finds these people tired and hungry. But now, here's something that most of us don't ever recognize. When Matthew tells the story, he talks about what has just happened and how Jesus has chosen to retreat into the wilderness, away from everybody, because John the Baptist has just been murdered. And Jesus wants to retreat away from everybody. But the fact is, tired, hungry, and needy people... ...found their way to Jesus. The crowd found him. And it's late in the day... ...and Jesus' disciples come to him. Well, well just look with me. Beginning in verse 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee... ...which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him... ...because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Now remember, when John uses the term signs... ...he's referring to miracles. He's referring to the things that Jesus has done... So these people have followed him because they know what's going on. They, they get a glimpse. They've seen things happen. They, I just want to see something. And maybe on the periphery of the crowd, somebody said, well, it may not happen to me, but if I'm in the crowd, something good is bound to happen. At least I get to see it. The scripture goes on and, and says in verse 3, Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii. That's probably about eight months' worth of their earnings, about eight months' worth of their wage. All right, Certainly more than half a year, not quite a full year, probably about eight months' worth of what they could earn in their job. And he says, wait a minute, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, now there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number, 5,000 hungry men showed up at your house for dinner. Unplanned. We're talking about a mess of hamburger helper here. Hmm. In verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them. Don't miss this. Jesus blessed and broke what that little boy had. Now think about it. Of all those people... One Palestinian mom thought to pack a lunch. Of all those people, one, thank goodness for one Palestinian mom who thought, my boy's not going to go hungry. Let me tell you, had I been that kid, me and my Superman lunchbox, we would have trekked a little further into the wilderness and we'd have had us a feast and come back and said, I don't know why you all are hungry. If it had been been my Superman lunchbox that had five biscuits and two sardines in it, I... I'm not sure I'd have offered it up, especially when I would have seen, that's not going to help 5,000 people. I mean, it's barely enough to fill me up. But clearly this boy came with what he had in his lunchbox, and Jesus knew that whatever he had was about to be something special. Hmm. Jesus took the loaves, and when he given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they'd eaten their fill, (laughs) when they'd eaten their fill, I mean, they, they dug in. He told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing might be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Now, let me just stop and say to you, five little tea cakes and two little sardines just fed to their fill 5,000 grown men with 12 baskets of food left over. Had you seen that, even if you were on the outside rim of the crowd, you would have thought, that, that's cool. I mean, they, they came with a problem, tired and hungry and weary, and we got a problem here and we don't know what to do. Y- Yogi Berra, that, that famous philosopher and Yankee catcher, after a ball game, he went to a pizza parlor and he ordered a pizza for himself. And the guy who was baking it pulled it out and he said, Yogi, he said, do you want it sliced in six pieces or eight? Yogi scratched his chin, looked back and said, you better cut it in six, I can't eat eight. Jesus takes this story and he takes this miracle and he puts it in bite-sized pieces for his disciples and for the people to see what's going on. I mean, in today's teaching, Jesus breaks this miracle down into some pretty bite-sized pieces and we take the complicated and make it simple. Now, you say, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, the feeding of the 5,000 is the fourth of seven recorded in John. Starts with turning water into wine that we talked about last week, ends with raising Lazarus from the dead. All right. And, and so what we find is that just as the need seems to be increasing, so does the miraculous power of Jesus increase to meet those needs. You know, the lesson here, bad stuff happens and we need somebody to fix it. And in our life, bad things happen, needs occur, and we become hungry, needy, grumpy, desperate people that we need somebody to fix the problem. After traveling for about two years, Jesus decides to give his disciples a test. The scripture says that Jesus asked, where could they buy bread for all these people? And the answer is, wait a minute, that can't be done. Number one, I mean, it just can't be done. And you just heard the rest of the story, fed 5,000 men, 12 baskets left over, one of the greatest miracles in the Bible. Life's difficult at times, is it not? I mean, one of the things the scripture teaches us is it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. There are seasons in our life when things are difficult and it's complicated. There are seasons in our life where we're going into a challenge, there are seasons in our life we're in the middle of a challenge, and there are seasons when we're just coming out of a challenge. But life is not easy. And far too often what happens is we focus on what we don't have as opposed to what we do have. I can't tell you how guilty I am of that. You know how easy it is? to focus on what you don't have. Well, I don't have this, look at them. I don't have this, look at them. I don't have that, look at them. But what if this miracle points us to what we do have? What if this miracle points us to what we do have? What what we have is sufficient in the hands of Jesus. 5,000 men, five tea cakes and two sardines in a Superman lunchbox, And everybody said, this can't be done. Now, Jesus lets nothing go to waste. Jesus doesn't let anything go to waste. Sometimes I think we often forget who's with us and who we're with. When I get in that whiny moment about what I don't have, you know what happens to me? Literally, watch this. It happens to you too. Every time we get in a position where we start whining about what we don't have, what we're really saying is whatever you've entrusted me with right now, Jesus can't do more with it. So in essence, what you're saying is, God, I don't trust you with what I have, so how would I ever believe in you for more? A little boy came and took his lunchbox and said, here. I mean, think about it. Jesus comes to Philip. Where should we buy bread? He probably should have said, well, Jesus... I saw you turn water into wine. I've seen you speak people from death to life. I have seen you make people hear that couldn't hear and walk who couldn't walk. Why don't you just speak it into existence? But he didn't, did he? And you know what? We don't either. We respond just like Philip. I know what you're thinking. You know what? Had I walked with Jesus for two years and I seen it with my own eyes and I'd touch it with my own hand, that's how I would have responded. Well, he did and he didn't. So if if we're comparing how we're going to do spiritually with somebody else, we're in trouble. He doesn't go, well, I've seen what you can do. I'm sure you can handle this. He didn't do that at all. And it it probably was more like this. Are you kidding me? You want us to feed 5,000 people with two tea cakes, I mean, five tea cakes and two fish from a little boy whose mom packed him a Superman lunchbox and you want us to feed, Jesus, come on. This is impossible. This is too complicated, even for you. We don't have a place to buy it. We're so far out in the wilderness, strike one. We don't have money to afford it, strike two. The disciples, they don't have the resources to meet this need. They have no food. They have no money. What else could they do? Over and over again, Jesus puts us in positions where helpless people, just like me and you, Say, we've got to do something. You know what he says? You do something. You feed them. Do you remember what he said to the disciples in the story? He didn't say, tell you what, I'll take care of this. He said, go feed them. You go feed them. You go feed them. Now, Here's what I know happens in my life. I see what I don't have. And I believe the Lord says to me, Chuck, you go feed them. But Lord, wait a minute. You, you don't understand. I don't have what I want yet. Can we take care of my wants before we go take care of their needs? And Jesus says, no, 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 you've got it, you've got it all backward. If you'll be faithful to what I've given you to go feed them, I'll give you more. To whom is faithful with little, you know what? They're going to be entrusted with more. Over and over, Jesus puts us in positions where we're helpless. And he says, go do something. They didn't see 5,000 people. They saw 5,000 problems. They saw 5,000 problems that they couldn't fix. And most of us would have said the same thing. Somehow they forgot that the Son of God was standing right there with them. See, that's what happens in our life. We forget that the one who said he'd never leave us or forsake us, we actually believe, no, he's not here with us. No, he really doesn't have the power to do it. No, he's not in the miracle business anymore. It's too complicated. That's what Philip thought. And Jesus said, let me have the lunchbox. Let me take it. I love it when Jesus said, you give them something to eat. I mean, he, he wants th- to know what's in your lunchbox. What did you bring for them? What did you bring to me for them? That's how Jesus pretty often works with us over and over again. He puts us in positions where we're helpless and he says, now go do something. And in our desperation, we cry out to heaven, how? And he replies, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. It's not that Jesus wants us to fail, but he does want us to know that without him, we can do nothing. And yet with him, we can do all things. You see, the problem is when our little lunchbox has a little bit in it, we want to gripe about how our lunchbox isn't as full as somebody else's. When Jesus said, if you'll just give it to me, we'll have more than enough if you'll go feed them. It just seems backward, doesn't it? Whatever we have is enough if we place it in the hands of Jesus. Now, I want you to know, watch what he did when he got his hands on five little barley loaves, five little biscuits, and two sardines. He blessed it, and he broke it. He blessed it, and he broke it. Now, you think about it. He'll break it, he'll bless it, and he'll use it to bless others. Some of you think you're not the right one for something. Well, you know what, Chuck, I, I'm too shy. I, I couldn't do that. You know, Chuck, I, I, you don't know how messed up my life is. I, I couldn't serve the Lord. You know what, Chuck, I could draw a line in the sand and trust Jesus with my life, and then everybody would know that I'm a fake. Well, Chuck, you understand, I'm a successful businessman. I can't put Jesus first. Well, you, you don't understand how busy I am, Chuck. I don't have time for Jesus. And you know what I've learned? If you'll bring him what's in your lunchbox, he'll do something with it. But you've got to trust him with what's in your lunchbox. You've got to trust him with what he's given you today if you want him to do something greater. (laughs) Did you see what Jesus did? He broke the bread, he blessed the bread, and then he had more than enough. You see, Jesus doesn't waste anything. You know what he said? Gather us the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Andrew found a boy with five loaves, two fish, and brought him to Jesus. And don't miss the obvious lesson here. Just because something is small or seemingly insignificant, it is never that way in the hands of Christ. Some of you are thinking, well, you know, nobody even knows my name. I could never make a difference for the cause of Christ. I could, I could never trust Jesus what little I have. This doesn't matter to anything. And Jesus says, bring to me what you've got. Bring me your skill. Bring me with the lessons you've learned. Bring me your maturity. Bring, bring what you've got. If you've been a follower of Christ for 50 years, Jesus says, bring me that so I can use that. If you've been a follower of Christ for five days, bring me that and I can use that. You see, Jesus specializes in using the broken, providing the blessing, and then allowing us to live in the abundance. You know why most of us don't live in the abundance of the goodness and the presence and the power of God? Because we don't bring him what we have. We don't trust him with what we do have. Some of you have the ability to play and sing, and some of you have the ability to teach, and some of you have the ability to encourage people on the phone, and some of you have the ability to encourage people when you go through the grocery store line. Some of you could serve in preschool, and some of you could serve in children, and some of you could serve in preteen, and some of you could be on that mission trip. Some of you could go to Haiti, and some of you could go to Cuba, and some of you could go to Kenya. But you know what you say? But I couldn't trust God with that. I can't bring him. Look what little I am. I don't, you can't bring what little... What would he do with me? He'd break it and he'd bless it and then you'd live in the abundance of it. That's what he'd do. You see, I think our challenge is that we don't grasp that Jesus allows this to happen so we can cry out to him. So that we can recognize that we really can do all things through him. You know, sooner or later, we're going to come to the end of our knowledge our wisdom, our skill, our strength, our eloquence, our creativity, and for some of you, your charm. You're going to come to an end. And when you do, you're going to find yourself broken. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. It's complicated. What am I going to do? You see, the challenge is when we find ourselves broken, that's when we can find ourselves ready to be blessed. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, that's just great news. What God demands, God supplies. He he wants you to come to him broken. He doesn't want you to get all cleaned up and fix yourself and try to make yourself good to come into his presence. He says, while you were yet sinners, he took you. He loves you. Come on. Sooner or later, when we come to the end, when we're broken, we're going to discover what you actually believe. You know, when things are good... People don't, people don't ever see what we really, truly, deep in our heart believe when things are just a piece of cake. Now, when, when, when the sky falls in and life falls apart, when your marriage goes in the tank and your kids have rebelled, and, and when life is not good and you've lost your job or you just found out that you've got cancer, you know what you find? Immediately you know, this is what I really believe. This is what I truly believe. And at that moment, can you imagine Philip? Saying, Jesus, what we need to do is send these people away. Just send them home. And Jesus says, well, we got five barley loaves, we got two fish, what more do you need? And Philip's thinking, what? What? You know, it's stressful to have no money. It's stressful to have no manpower. It's stressful to have no way to meet the needs that are in front of you. It's stressful to not have the answers to the question. And still Jesus says to his boys, these people are hungry. Give them something to eat. So if you're taking notes, let me give you three quick takeaways that we learned from this miracle. All right, you ready? Number one, the fact that something is impossible is no excuse to not do it. I mean, think about it. I mean, if, if that were the case, Goliath would still be standing over the people of Israel. David looked up at Goliath and, and everybody said, Punk, you can't do this. He reached down and grabbed five smooth stones. If I were a really good preacher, I'd give you five good reasons why I had five good stones, but I happen to believe he just happened to grab five stones. Put one in a slingshot, zing, done. Boom. You know, you never know in advance what God may do so here's what I'm urging you. Don't rule out the possibility that God wants to do a miracle in your life. You know, what I find this interesting. You go to Haiti or you go to Cuba, you go to Kenya, you go someplace like that. And people talk about God working miracles in their lives. And you know what happens in those places? People believe it. They don't question it. They don't think about TV preachers. They don't think about problems. They don't think about how people accept it. You know Why? Because they don't have this Americanized version that, wait a minute, but I'm not worthy. I can't, what could God do with me? I don't really have a specialized skill. Listen, if it seems impossible, that's what God specializes in. Number two, Jesus asks us to do the impossible, and then he gives us whatever we need to obey. Listen to this. To a lame man, he said, pick up your bed and walk. To a dead man, he said, come forth. We always lack what we need to obey God's command, but God's faithful to give us whatever we need when we ask him. What God demands, God supplies. So here's what I'd encourage you. Allow yourself to be broken. Allow yourself to be blessed. You say, well, I don't, don't want to go through the broken part, Chuck. I want the blessing part. That doesn't work in God's economy. You see, you know, you know what we all want? I want the blessing. I just don't want the breaking. I've had seasons in my life where literally, you know what my prayers sound like? Just me and God riding down the road. I pray out loud, by the way, in my car. Okay? That's how I pray. I mean, me and God, we just talk. In the car, I mean, hopefully, people who are next to me think that I'm, I got Bluetooth or something going on in my car. Because I mean, and, and we, me, and God, we talk. And every now and then, you know, you know what I say to God today? Could we work on somebody else's character and give mine a break? I, I've taken all the beatings I want. Pick on Josh; he needs it. I promise you, he needs a good night. He's a politician. bless his heart (laughs) but you know what you know what god whispers back and sometimes screams in my ear son you still aren't broken and until you are there is no blessing isn't that amazing how that works you want the blessing you got to be willing to go through the broken if you don't believe me go read the beatitudes Number three, I find this one. This is my favorite one. When we offer our puny resources to God, we discover the impossible isn't. Isn't that a great sign? We discover the impossible isn't. There's three stages in any work attempted for God. You ready? Number one, that's impossible. It can't be done. Jesus, we can't feed these people. Jesus, we don't, we don't have the money, we don't have the place, there's no resources, we can't fix this. Number one, the first stage, it's impossible. Number two, it's difficult. You, Jesus, you, if you pull this off, I'm telling you, you this is going to trump making that guy who can't walk walk. This is a big deal. You're going to feed 5,000 people and you got five tiny biscuits and you got two fish that a Palestinian mom packed in a Superman lunchbox. What are we going to do about that? Come on, you are really going to rock this place if you do this. Number one, it's impossible. Number two, it's difficult. You know what number three is? It's done. There's moments when we all seem to be stuck in the impossible stage of life. Listen, if you're there, cheer up. Because if you're in the impossible stage, guess what's coming next? Oh, that might be difficult, but I got you. Because you know what the third stage is? Done. Done. And they gathered up twelve more baskets in the abundance and the overflow. I get it. You're sitting here today and you're saying, "But Chuck, that's not me. I'm, I, I'm special. I'm unique. It's complicated, Chuck. God's never failed anyone yet. But listen to me, and He is not going to make an exception for you. I'm convinced Jesus is asking us questions like He did to the disciples. What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do with a coworker? What are you going to do with your child? What are you going to do with your spouse? What are you going to do with your friend? What are you bringing in your lunchbox? Maybe Jesus is testing you in another area, your personal life, or your calling. What are are you going to do with your gifts? What are you going to do with your talents? What are you going to do with your resources? Maybe maybe an ordinary boy gave an ordinary lunch to Jesus and the bread of life did something extraordinary with it. What if he wants to do that with you? And what can God do with your ordinary gifts? You say, well, I don't know. Well, listen, you know what? Moses led a nation with an ordinary shepherd's staff. David killed Goliath with an ordinary slingshot. Elisha experienced a double portion of power expressed through an ordinary cloak. A manger, a simple manger, became a baby bed for Emmanuel. And God used an old rugged cross to shed his blood and die for you and I that we might have in forever. And let me ask you something. What's in your lunchbox? Because at the end of the day, folks, at some point, you're going to say, that can't be done. And Jesus says... You bring me what you have, and it may look impossible, and it may look difficult, but in the hands of Jesus it can be done. And regardless of what you bring him, he'll break it, and he'll bless it. And if you'll allow him to, you can live in the abundance of it.